Praise God. Come up here, little one. Mr. Howard, you want to come up and. Oh, oh, my goodness. Well, we bring the hankies already. We bring the handkerchief up. Right, 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 right. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Um, you know what the Lord is, is telling me that, that He said in years past, things were taken from you. But He says that, He says, don't, don't keep such a guard over your heart so that nothing will be taken from you again, says the Lord. He said, this is your season to reap and sow. He said, it's safe to sow in my kingdom because you will reap more than what was ever removed from your life by the enemy. He said, it was not right. It was not what I ordained for you. It was not right. But he said, I am the one who makes things right now. And he says, take the restraints off your heart. Take the guards off your heart and love freely. So freely, give of yourself freely, says the Lord, because now it's going to pay off for you. It's You're never going to be robbed again, says the Lord. He said, in fact, many of the things you think were taken, he said, I've held them for you. And they're due to be released in their season in your life to bless your life in a major way, says the Spirit of the living God. Amen. All right. Okay, honey. Amen. There you go. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. 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 Praise God. You know, God is a God of restoration. You know, that's everybody's story, to be honest with you. Everybody has undergone some treatment in life that wasn't fair. You know, we've been robbed of years and, and joy and all kinds of things that the enemies tried to steal from us. But God. Amen. We're in a kingdom now where it's safe to sow. Amen. It's safe to sow in his vineyard and in his field. And he'll respond to us. Amen. He'll respond to us. He'll respond. He'll respond. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You didn't get our cover cloth wet with tears, did you? I know. Good. Okay. So, so we want to hang that out to dry. <laughs> Miss Nola, there you go. <laughs> What's up going on around here? Amen. Well, it's good. It's good to be moved by the Spirit of God. Amen. It's good to know you can still be moved by the Spirit of God, you know. So it's good. It's all good. It really, really is. It's all good. Amen. It's going to come back. To all of us, Amen. God's a retriever, restore. He pays back. He holds on. Some stuff we think we didn't didn't deserve and got. You know, He knows that. He sees everything. He sees everything. So praise God, Amen, 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 Amen. Okay, Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come before your throne. We thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for blessing us according to your holy word. We honor you, Lord, and we love you, we bless you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. Amen, amen, amen again. Praise the Lord.
Amen. Praise God. So we started talking yesterday about gospel faith. Amen. And the faith that comes from the gospel and the faith that God gives us to preach the gospel. That is our assignment in this earth. That's always your assignment. Yeah, I think many times people are waiting on their ministry or waiting on God to tell them or waiting on this or waiting on that. But the prophet said that God's word was like fire shut up in his bones. You know, you you just can't hold it. I mean, come on now. Only so much you as, as one little humble human being can do. You can't stop this gospel from going forth. Amen. Uh, I always look at the people who persecute Christians. And I think about it, I say, as though they could stop the word. As though they could stop the gospel from being preached. You know, you stop one of us and ten more pop up in their place. <laughs> we, we like babies, kids. We don't die, we multiply. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. And it's been that way forever. Amen. Since, since Jesus, um, uh, passed this gospel message off to the church, his body, it's been that way. God always do, does more in multiplication than the devil can do in stopping people. Amen. He might stop you for a season. You know, some people get mad at the church or mad at God or mad. People just mad, period. You know what I'm saying? Some people just always going to be angry. But uh, you know what I'm saying. They just like that, like to find fault with stuff and, you know, all this harangue and, you know, nonsense. But, But God always has a people who will obey that command to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Sometimes you don't even have to see it in the word. It's just in you. You know, that message is in you. And and we know that we have good news to tell people. Don't ever think that the gospel is bad news. Amen. You put yourself on a wrong road. Then you start judging God and judging his word. And so if you will understand that, that you know, it's the, I don't care if y'all don't want to hear this. This Somebody going to want to hear this good news. Uh, God's going to slap somebody over in their right mind and let them understand that this is good news. Amen. You know, if you can admit your sin, you're on the right road. That's the entry point. Uh, to, to the goodness of God's kingdom. Amen. That, that was preached first. Amen. With John the Baptist when he came forth preaching the good news of the kingdom in, um, uh, let me see which one of these. Ah. Ah, ah, ah. Let's see. Oh yeah. Matthew chapter three. We'll go there. <clears throat> When you preach the gospel, there is a a spirit of discernment to discern if a person's heart is repentant and contrite. Um, it, all of that comes with it, so that you can be a um, you know a, an effective minister. Sometimes we're so eager to get people to pray a prayer and and say something. We don't know that there is a point where you can discern their heart, the intent of their heart. You can discern uh, what if there are things that are troubling them that are going to be an obstacle to them freely receiving what God has for them. So if we'll stop and pay attention to what God is saying, we'll be more effective in the ministry 
of of the uh, word of God. So in in Ma- uh, Matthew three verse one, in those days came John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, "Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand." For this is that. Amen. This is that. Now prophets have this. You know, there's so many aspects to uh, the prophet's anointing, but I call it, you can call it interpretation, uh, but oftentimes people think of interpretation as interpretation of a message or interpretation of tongues. So, uh, but I just call it, it's a this or that anointing. It's an interpretation, it's also an explanation. And it's also an explanation of a prophecy that has gone forth in the past. And so it's an interpretation of prophecy, but it's also an explanation of how that word that was spoken way back there fits into what's going on right here. It's also a description. So it's a lot more than an interpretation of prophecy, amen, or tongues and interpretation of a message. This is counsel and wisdom and full disclosure and, and validation of a prophecy that has gone before, amen. So I call it this is that because that's what they say. This is that. It's the same thing Peter said on the day of Pentecost, amen. Peter would later say this, use this same phrase. And he went on to expound the truth of what people were observing in this time. So it brings the old and the new together. It establishes that God spoke this already and it has now come to pass. So it's a lot of things. So this is that is a lot of things gathered into one. It's an interpretation of a prophecy. It's a, a visual uh, uh, telling people this has come to pass, even though the words that were spoken um, were like a couple of sentences prophecy. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And then when you get to Pentecost, you see what that really means. It is like a whole city is turned upside down. People are speaking in in uh, languages that they didn't learn, so it's a supernatural language. So it's a whole variety of things. So even though uh, the gift of tongues was foreshadowed in the Old Testament, it wasn't given in that prophecy that that Joel gave. See, there was no mention of to- tongues in that prophecy, but tongues showed up in the this is that. Okay, so when the holy, when his spirit is poured out on all flesh, this is what it looks like. Amen. And God foretold us this and now it has come to pass. So you can expect some different things to happen. Sons and daughters will prophesy. Oh, wow. It's not limited to ministers now. Everybody's a minister. You understand what I'm saying? This anointing rests on those who believe. Amen. At on all levels. Amen. A, a ministry level, minister, ministry gift level, and also a believer's, a layperson's uh, level. And so in, in this situation, um, where the, uh, um, John preaches, he says, this is that was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah saying, 
the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So this is a, um, this is a, uh, this is that, uh, but it's duh. Can you see that in this? Or am I speaking this foreign language that nobody? You know, John is like, don't you read your Bible? Isaiah said it and, and it's happening just like he said it. I'm crying in the wilderness. Duh. Huh? So it can be this is that on a duh level or it can be this is that or we need to interpret this for general understanding. And so Peter interpreted it that it because people were mistaken to have been drunk. So it needed to be a full disclosure so that people could pull it out of the carnal over into the spiritual. And sometimes that takes a little more explaining. Amen. And so, but God wants us to know these things. He wants us to have full disclosure. No more questions about it. So that this is that interpretation takes away all doubt, all questions, all confusion. It puts it right out there straight so everybody knows that this is something God said would happen and it's happening right before your eyes. It'll shock you how many people throughout the history of the church have prayed for revival and fought it once it showed up. So this is that is extremely important, folks, especially if the prophet will be believed. Because people don't have to believe you when you come with a this is that. I don't believe that. God wouldn't do that. And I'm sure there were some like that in, the, in these crowds. Amen. So John the Baptist came preaching. He said, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. Isaiah prophesied the exact same words. And the same John had his clothing of camel's hair and a leather girdle about his loins, and his meat was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and Judea and all the region round about Jordan. So word got out. Amen. He didn't have to go looking for anybody. They came looking for him because of what he preached. You know, the buzz went out. Ooh, there's a prophet, somebody out there in the wilderness preaching. Who is it? Oh, you know, John. Oh, Lord, not John. You understand what I'm saying? (laughs) But yeah, John. And he had a message and people who were looking for something from God came. People who were satisfied with what they had didn't come. And this is typical. People who have an established ministry, who have an established, I mean, you can have an established ministry, but stay hungry for more from God. You know, what's going to, I mean, just because you got your paycheck and your numbers and your mailing list and and your, you know, you sell your T-shirts and your books and your tapes and all that stuff, just because you have all that, you should not stop seeking God for more. See, you indict yourself when you drive past homeless people and you just keep driving or you jump on the freeway so you don't have to look at them on the way to church. Well, anyway, 
But God is funny. He put them at the top of the freeway ramp when you get off. <laughs> but this is your harvest. These are the people that I want you to go and tell the good news. This is who I'm coming after next. Amen. It's the ones on the out who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for a good life, for things to change for them. That's who God comes to. And that's who he sends his servants to. So just because people have everything that they want out of their ministry and out of their life and everything's real good, that does not mean that they can't hunger for more. See, we all need to hunger for more. And see, this is why churches go dead because they're, they're full and they don't want, you know, Jesus rebuked one of them churches in the book of Revelation. Huh? Um, I'm trying to think, I want to say Laodicean, but everybody talks about that one. But the church that says I'm full and I don't need anything. Huh? And so, you know, you gotta, gotta, <laughs> he's talking about people now. Huh? See, we don't stop to think sometimes. We just take some things just for granted. You hear certain names and you, you, you think, oh yeah, 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 you know, but you don't think God's calling that person. Why'd he give him a name that's so easily recognized? Wasn't from nothing they did. Oh, burn! Stop! 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 I won't. Huh? Some of those people don't know why God elevated them. Because they have a message that's not as good as some people. Don't preach as well as some. Do you understand me? But everybody's on trial down here. When he gives you a name that's recognizable, you got to say, well, God, what do I do with this now? This belongs to you. Amen. Learn how to be faithful with what he gave you. There's some people who are extremely faithful with with their prominence, their their notoriety. You know, but there are some that just use it to as the next stepping stone to, you know, another important contract they can get from somebody. And so we have to always understand that there's always a hunger for more because the gospel is until everybody's reached. You know, it, there's got to be a hunger for more. If if you look and you say, well, God, I walk past the same person in the wheelchair every time I go out shopping. I would really love to be able to pray with them one time. You understand? And we have thoughts like that and we shrug them off and we never revisit those thoughts. You know, but those thoughts are God telling you, I'm, I'm, I want to prepare you to do that. That person wants to get up out that chair and I want them up out of that chair and I want to be able to use you to do that. You see? And so this is how it gets started. If with this, this hunger for more, for righteousness, for goodness, for for alleviation of suffering, all of that is part of the gospel. So John the Baptist prepared the way for the coming of the Lord. And he said this in verse 5, people went out from Jerusalem, Judea, and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Amen. So one of the conditions for water baptism is that you have to confess your sins. You have to turn away. You have to confess and say, I don't want any more of this. I want the kingdom. So the door into the kingdom is always repentance. 
Amen. When when you feel locked out of the kingdom, you need to get on your face before God and say, God, show me if there's something standing between you and me. You understand what I'm saying? Let's not just languish in the I'm okay situation. You understand what I'm saying? In the, the glory of your own mind. But allow yourself to humble yourself before God. Amen. You know, repentance is more than just I did something bad, which most people don't like to admit anyway. So it's got to be more than that. You understand? You know, sometimes you can be aiming to do something right and being doing it totally wrong. And you got to change your mind about that. You're going to be humble and be willing to, to make some changes that God will bring into your life. There's some of us. Our sin is not wanting more from God, of being satisfied right where we are. Knowing that the devil is going to come knocking, knowing that you're not going to stay there forever, but we like it too much. This is one day I didn't have to get up and think about what wasn't right. You understand what I'm saying? Lack of hunger is a sin. I know you wouldn't believe it looking at me. I'm not guilty of that one, Poppy. (laughs) But you know what I mean. Being too full. (laughs) Yeah, I'm guilty. Guilty. You understand what I'm saying? But, But you have to realize that God wants us to take on his character. Take on his vision his desires and he looks out and sees a, a a field white to harvest and then he looks in the kingdom and sees very few people willing, willing to go out and work in his field as we busy see we're full as long as we can be busy with what we want to do we're full and we don't have that that hunger to go out and meet that kingdom need amen we all want to wear our tiara. We all queens and stuff, all that kind of nonsense. But we don't want to go out and work in the Lord's field. Amen. So he has to raise up intercessors. Like that woman we were speaking of yesterday, one of the intercessors in Tulsa. You know, she just took it like a job. Prayed eight hours a day, had a little soup for lunch and went back at it again. You know, fasting and praying. To, to cause Tulsa to be a hub of spiritual activity where people could come in there and set up ministry and the devil didn't beat them up to death before they got, got it off the ground. You know, you, you look at all the sign and wonder ministries that were and still are to, to some degree located there and you'll see that, that somebody primed that, that, that soil. You know, plucked all the weeds out of it before they got there. And they got there and had an easy time getting things started. And so God will do things like that. He got to find laborers though. You understand what I'm saying? <coughs> Those women, whoever they were, were willing to labor for God and weren't discouraged in their, their labors either. So it's, it's not going to be from people who, who are looking for recognition. Except they want to please God. We gotta have people like that. We gotta have the people who want to please Him. 
Amen. With their lives. And so they were baptized, confessing their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism. Now, they won't jump in the water like everybody else. Huh? Discernment. It wasn't like he don't like Pharisees or he don't like these people. There's a discernment that kicks in for somebody who is leading people to the Lord or leading them to the kingdom. This will kick in on any of us folks where, where people, you know, people will pray the prayer or, you know, you have some people just want to get rid of you and they'll, they'll repeat after me. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. I want the Lord. Yeah. And, and, but see, you, 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 you have the ability to discern the intent of their heart, you know, and their sincerity. And not that you turn anybody down, but you have to be able to go the next step that God leads you to. Amen. And so here, John the Baptist, he said, the Pharisees and Sadducees came to his baptism, and he said to him, them, O generation of vipers, who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, see, here's the next step. Okay, that he's discerned they're not sincere. You don't just leave them hanging in their insincerity. You don't turn them away, give them a no answer, and just leave them out there. So it's like, well, if you know their heart's not right, how does it get right? Is a way for it to get right. Amen. And he tells them. He said, I need to see some. You mean we got to have proof? Oh, yeah. He says, who has warned you to free, flee from the wrath to come? Bring forth, therefore, fruits meet for repentance. And stop saying this to yourselves. Abraham is our father. He said, because I'm telling you, God is able to raise up rocks as children of Abraham. He said, now also the axe is laid to the root of the tree. Therefore, every tree that does not bring forth good fruit is hewn down and cast in the fire. So he's saying this. He says, you got to show me that you really want to change. You got to show me you really want God more than you want the doves and the money changer job you got in the temple. Your fake robes that you always try to make long prayers with. You got to show me you want something more than that. Amen. Yeah, show me. You know, when the when the um, centurions and the soldiers and the tax collectors came to be baptized, he told them the same thing. He said, quit complaining about your wages. You thieves. Amen. And you money, uh, you tax collectors, stop taking more tax, stop t- stealing the tax money. So he knew by word of knowledge everything that was keeping them from entering into the kingdom. And we can do the same thing when we, quote, unquote, lead people to Christ. If their heart's not right, you can able to get them right. You know, I just felt like I was praying with somebody one time, and I could feel, feel the Spirit of God surrounding us. And and they were kind of like crying and stuttering. I said, well, honey, is there something that you know is standing between you and God, and you want to confess and ask him to forgive you? She said, yeah, yeah. 
and, and just confessed and she was cool. Spend it, the spirit just rested down there. Sometimes you can feel him trying to get in and unable to because people don't know sometimes. You know, do you realize the world we live in, people think abortion's okay? They think fornication. They think everything's okay. And sometimes that will hinder them that it's okay. See, they'll go right back to it. You pray for them to receive Christ. They'll go right back to sin again as, as though there's no change. So they've got to bring something to the table that they know is a hindrance. They know God doesn't approve of. And the Holy Spirit will convict them of it. You see, he'll tell them, he'll point out to them what they need to do to show God that they're sincere about wanting this change in their life. Because it's gonna, they're gonna change. See, when God comes in, the whole thing you're trying to do is get them ready to let God in. And so when God comes in, the change comes automatically. But there's so many obstacles sometimes. Some people will tell you, I'm not ready yet. Huh? Well, just, I mean, you know, what can you do? Well, honey, I'll pray for you to get ready because God's ready for you. Amen. You don't sell people a fire insurance policy because this is what John the Baptist said. Who told you to come get your fire insurance? Huh? Who has told you to come and escape from the wrath to come? That's like accepting Christ now, living for the devil until you get on your deathbed and you want to cash in your insurance policy. You see, that's not that's not the gospel preaching, folks. Amen. It's not that you want people to live for God every day. They want to live for God every day. But the carnal mind will find a way to worm out of it if it can. So you keep praying for people. To come to repentance. You pray for people to face that reality. You come to pray for people to face eternity. What am I going to do with eternity? If I don't know that I'm going to heaven, when am I going to know it? Tomorrow's not really promised, especially to the unbeliever. Now, believers have a sense they're going to be here another day, at least years, whatever. But but unbelievers just aren't guaranteed that. So so they got to get over into kingdom. So the gospel preaching really is good news because the good news is everybody can receive Christ. Everybody can turn their back on their sinful lives, turn their back on the direction they're going. Amen. Everybody can do that. That's that's a possibility for all. And so when John preached, he told people to prepare the way that is prepare your heart. Prepare your, prepare your soul for giving this up. Be ready to give it up and accept Christ into your heart. Amen. So water baptism actually set them apart to receive the kingdom and which would come when Jesus died at Calvary. So, so that would be, uh, another step there. So when, when the gospel was first introduced, it was introduced in steps. It was introduced in increments. And then John prepared people for the coming of the kingdom. But Jesus manifested it. Amen. He manifested it. And so when Jesus came on the scene, John made the comment, I must decrease so that he can increase. So the preparation moves out of the way. For the manifestation. Amen. 
The preparation has to move out of the way for the manifestation. That's true with anything that that we receive from God's kingdom. See, when you when you're studying the word, meditating on the word, you're preparing for God to manifest something in your life. If it's healing, if it's a desired uh, outcome in a, a job or or something you're preparing for a career, your preparation has to be done. You got to get in the word. You got to beef up your your faith and believe that word. And you got to turn away from anything that's opposite of the word. You know, you you have to turn your back on doubt. You got to turn your back on, you know, if God tells you, you know, you get in that word and I want you to to get in there and spend some time meditating on these scriptures. So that's your preparation. So after a while, the preparation yields to the manifestation. Amen. So when when John. Uh, was put into prison and beheaded, that was the end of his ministry, preparing the Lord. You know, it's not a great end, but it had to be that way apparently because that's the way it wound up being. You can imagine the conflict that might arise had John stayed alive and had to continue to preach. People would have been preparing and never getting the manifestation. So sometimes those messages can conflict a little bit. You got me? Because the disciples were already comparing one another to one another. Jesus' disciples, well, how come you don't teach us? John's disciples do so and so. How come we don't do that? You see, people aren't smart enough to understand all of these things. So, you know, God allows one message to die and the other one to be uh, front and center. Amen. For the manifestation to come. It's it's that way. You can look at that as being true with the history of the church. It, people, one one move of God kind of dies out because it served its purpose. You know, um, the 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 uh, Protestant messages, we're still receiving those. Um, but basic Protestant messages were salvation, period. No manifestation of the kingdom, no healing, no deliverance. It was just get saved. And that was the message. And then the Pentecostal revival started. In full gospel churches, they began to teach people about getting baptized in the Holy Ghost. Now, that's always been around since from the book of Acts. It's been available to the church forever. But these messages get persecuted and they die. And then God has to revive them again. So the first revival was salvation by grace through faith. And that that ran its course. And we get enough people saved and get enough people understanding salvation by faith, not works. And then God can add to that by pouring out his spirit again on all flesh. Like he did in the book of Acts, he does it again over and over and over again. And then Pentecostal and full gospel denominations start to rise up. Then from that, the the healing revival started and lasted, you know, full force for about 30 or 40 years, started to die out. You, You start to see a few people still having healing revival meetings. 
You know, the Benny Hens, the Catherine Coolmans, they get sparse. Where there was one time, there was over 40 or 50 ministries that had tent revivals, you know, with healings and all of that. And these messages kind of run their course. So this thing with John the Baptist uh, being beheaded before Christ came to manifest the kingdom is not, it's, it sets a precedent for how things are done. Right now, people are trying to keep the word of faith movement on life support. Nothing against the word of faith movement, but there's more. An idiot knows there's more. And they need to just let it run its course and let it go ahead and peter out and give way to what people now are calling the prophetic movement. Where people are going, you need to see manifestations without waiting three and four months or two years or ten years. Let's get this show on the road. So people who are looking for what we call the end time move of God are looking for the instantaneous, are looking for the power, are looking for unlimited power. You know, you got people out here preaching, oh, don't limit God. God is unlimited, but they're thinking material things. I guarantee you they're thinking unlimited money, unlimited cars, unlimited they got the wrong, they got the right message, but the wrong manifestation in mind. God's not talking about, we talking unlimited power that's going to get them, them homeless people up in dignity and, and change them on the inside where they shake themselves off and recognize this is not for me. There's something in me that's the image of God that needs to be manifested and brought forth. That's what we're talking about. I care less about you getting another car. You didn't do nothing with the last one God gave you. So the more that God's putting in people's hearts, the desire for more is more power to change lives, more power to bring the gospel into manifestation in people's lives, make things real. Amen. The reality of Christ to come into people's hearts. Amen. So that's the more. And we need it done in a fashion where it's consistent with the word, where it's available to the ones that God wants to carry that message. And I believe it's for believers, just like Mark 16, 17 and 18 describes. Until we get ordinary Christians off the pew. And, and following one conference after another, buying new clothes, buying plane tickets, and piling up in somebody's meeting. And you know what I'm talking about. You can only do that so much without indicting yourself. You know, how many more conferences you got to go to? Don't you know enough word to talk to somebody on the street and tell them about Jesus? Don't you know enough about God to tell them God wants them well when you see them sick? I don't care if you've never prayed for a sick. When are you going to start? There's nobody but you and that homeless sick person around. They ain't going to tell on you. They're not going to tell the police and get you arrested because you touched them. 
you know, the enemy's orchestrating a lot of stuff to keep us from manifesting as sons and daughters of God. You know, this fear people have about being around social distancing. It's engineered to keep you from laying hands on sick people. I mean, come on, y'all. Now, we got to start thinking, folks. And it's not just your crazy imagination making stuff up. Some of these answers is Holy Ghost. But if they can stop the power of God, if the devil can stop the power of God with a mask, you can't talk. Or with social distancing, you can't touch. God's going to have to touch him without you coming close to him. Don't think God don't have an answer for all this stuff. As long as it keeps up and you want to be used by God, he'll use you. But if it stops you from stepping out and doing something for God, that's wrong. See, you've got to get smart enough to learn how to continue to do what God tells you to do in spite of the restrictions. huh? So the the gospel is the power of God. We said that yesterday. It's not that it releases the power of God. It is the power of God. Them words is the power. Amen. That's what it is. So you can't get power results without speaking power words. Amen. And this is what Jesus demonstrated throughout his entire ministry. Belief in Christ or in his word equals faith. Amen. When you put your faith in God and his word, that that's what we're talking about here. That faith now resides in all believers. Amen. And it is for use for kingdom affairs. Your bills getting paid are not personal anymore. It's a kingdom thing. Amen. Your kids serving God, that's a kingdom thing. Amen. All of that. These are kingdom affairs. And so the faith that you have in God, faith in the son of God, faith in Jesus. Amen. Is is what you need to conduct kingdom business. So the gospel being the power of God, whenever you repent and receive the gospel. Amen. You have received the power of God. It says here in John one, it says it to as many as received them to him, he gave power to be sons of God. So the first thing, the the gospel, when you receive the word, when you receive Christ, receive the gospel, the first thing it does, it is empowers you to be a son and a daughter of God. What does that mean? That means you're empowered to do what God does. You're empowered to imitate him. Amen. Um, you don't, you've never spoken something and expected it to come to pass before you met the Lord. That's just not normal human stuff. So the fact that you're willing to believe that if you pray and God will do it for you means you've got a different power working in you. See, you're, you're empowered now as a son. You may not be able to describe it in that in those terms but there's a different power on your words there's a different power in your heart there's a different expectation now in your life you expect things to happen you don't expect them to stay the same way forever 
You expect change to come for the good. You expect good things. You get up every morning anticipating good. You don't get up every morning dreading. Well, it just depends on how much drama you got. You know, some people had a dread on them until they hit the shower, hit the coffee. Your point of con, your point of contact. As your point of contact to release your faith to be normal for one more day. Uh huh. And so the, the fact that, that you have a different expectation on the inside of you means there's been a change. And you've been empowered now to be a son and a daughter of God, which means that you operate in a knowledge of an inheritance. See, this isn't the same thing as rights. Inheritance isn't. Because you don't have to go to God and demand anything. Huh? You, you have an inheritance in God. So that kind of softens the relationship. All you gotta do is find out what you gotta do to get it released to you. But, but everybody who receives Christ receives that understanding or receives that empowerment to be a son and a daughter of God with full entitlement to inheritance rights. Amen? Your rights don't start because you tithe. Your rights started when you were born again. The blood is what ensured your inheritance. So, blood inheritance blood inheritance blood inheritance see uh, if if i'm a dillard and if there's anything in the dillard uh uh legacy and I'm one, and I'm a Dillard. I'm entitled to it, anticipate an inheritance because of the blood. So blood always points to inheritance, folks. It doesn't point to rights. It doesn't point to demand. It would be just as crazy for me if 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 I'm I'm the the sole heir of the Dillard estate. I don't have to go beat up nobody to. It's mine. Huh? By virtue of, there you go. So if you're blood kin, you have an inheritance. Well, when you're blood bought, you're bought into your inheritance as a son and a daughter of God. You've had a blood transfusion. You're not that same person no more. You may be wrapped up in the same garment, the same cloak, the same tent. But you're a totally different person. In fact, you're so new that old inheritance has been canceled out. Only a blood change can do that. You got me? Like, for instance, my maiden name was Mason. And if my dad passed away and left in inheritance, it belongs to all the Mason heirs. That would be me and my, at that time he passed away, well, it was two surviving sisters, but it would have been three of us, and my sister Jackie 
still been alive. Amen. And and when there's the three survivors, I'm still an heir even though I married Williams. Hey, I got two. And in a natural sense, that's good for you. But in a spiritual sense, it's not. You got to let one cancel out the other. I'm going to say it again. You got to let one cancel out the other because the less is blessed by the better. So anything you have a natural inheritance is less than a spiritual. So you say, let that go. I don't even lay claim to that anymore. I got something better now. Because the spiritual commands everything else. The spiritual will dictate everything else. As a natural heir, you could never, your parents never tells you, told you, ask me anything and I'll give it to you. You know, I said, girl, you know I ain't got no, you better go sit down somewhere. What's wrong with you? You been smoking that funny stuff again? I mean, he asking me for nothing like that. I ain't got nothing. Even if they have it, they deny they have it. Parents are smart. They ain't as slow as you think they are sometimes. Huh? It's true. So when you step into God's kingdom, you automatically, you don't want nothing from your past following you. You don't lay claim to nothing. Because it's all like Paul said, I call it, call it all as doo-doo compared to the excellency of the knowledge of Christ. So you got to do a comparative thing. You got to look at your life in the flesh versus your life in the spirit. You may not know everything about the spiritual, but you know about this. And you want to get rid of this. Because there's some warrants out on this. Huh? Some people you didn't treat right might be looking for you one day. Huh? Bill collector, student loans, whatever else you're running from. Yeah, you want to get rid of her like yesterday. Now, bill collector, sender, baby, you put on there, return to sender. Stick them right back in that mailbox and hope they never find you. Huh? Amen. God, you know, I remember when I told God, I said, God, you said that you pay all my debts. Huh? Some of them people got tired of looking for me. <laughs> oh! Oh, Pastor Bart. Well, you mean you did not? sure didn't. Huh? Them debts didn't belong to me no more. Huh? Most of them I paid, but some of them was, you know, illegal, immoral. It was going to take me to the poorhouse if they could. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, and people say things like, now, now this is kind of funny. That one guy, um, Dave Ramsey, who has the, yeah, I declared banks ruptsy once in my life. and I felt bad he went back and paid them people. And I'm thinking to myself, that thing was so dead and over with. You understand what I'm saying? 
yeah, it was before I walked with the Lord and all this kind of stuff. And man, if I went and tried to pay back everything I did before, I mean, some of them things you need to, God will show you which ones. Sometimes it's a good witness for a Christian to. But you know, some people won't even take your money. They'll say, no, this will mess up our books. Don't even come back here trying to give us nothing. I'm serious. You got to know what you're doing here, folks. No. Once your sins are forgiven, you shouldn't have a bad conscience about them. I mean, you're cleansed from unrighteousness. You you need to learn how to humble yourself and take your forgiveness and run on about your business. Amen. Just run on into the kingdom and start serving God in sincerity and truth. Amen. If it's any legitimate thing God wants you to repay, he'll tell you. You, you understand what I'm saying? He will tell you. So anyhow, we'll go on from that. Now he's, we're getting into the weeds a little bit. Where most of us live, most of us live in them weeds. <laughs> You know, I mean, it, there's lots of Christians running around there preaching debt cancellation. And to me, if that hasn't been experienced by you already, you're missing something. Okay. Matthew 9, let's turn there and see what that says. The gospel of the kingdom. And see, the, God never told anybody to shorten what they expect to happen when they preach the gospel. It should always, healing should always be part of your preaching. Deliverance should be healing, the brokenhearted, binding wounds, all that kind of stuff. That's all part of gospel preaching because there's an anointing to take care of that. So in Matthew 9, let me see which verse here. I think it's 30. Thirty-five. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every manner of sickness and every disease among the people. Amen. And when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Amen. And so Jesus at that time recognized the need for more people to preach, for more people to be anointed, for more people to be empowered. But the gospel itself is the power of God. If you will preach it the way God has it in his word, the power will come forth and God will work with us confirming his word with signs following. He got to get people to preach it first. Many times we'll talk about salvation, talk about everything except God wants you well. And he, this, it can be a blaring example of sickness right before you and you skip right over it. But see, if, if you, you have that same ministry that Jesus had, it says he was moved with compassion. Amen. And so 
when the gospel message is inside of you, there's compassion inside of you that will move you to want to alleviate human suffering. I can tell you one thing, it it won't cost you money at all to get somebody physically healed. It's going to cost you to feed them. Amen. And it's amazing how many Christian organizations will start raising money to buy food to feed people and won't won't try to heal the sick. One takes much less effort and really if you if you get people healed, you denecessitate the 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 money thing. They can go out and work and make their own money and buy their own food. Amen. And so it, it, there's something about God's kingdom and the way it's set up and the way he wants us to preach the power of God that helps every situation. It'll take care. Well, for instance, when, when Bartimaeus received his sight, he didn't just, he didn't just walk around seeing. He's able to get a job. He was able to get rid of some people in his life that he might have had to pay to take care of him, to get him from place to, I mean, and, you know, not waiting on people to do things. So when you bring health back to people, you bring wealth back too. It was always a package to deal with God. He brought them out with silver and gold and there was not one feeble person among them. Health and wealth are I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. You empower people when you bring them, you empower people when you bring them back to health. God wants people empowered. The gospel is the power of God. When that's preached, people receive power to do everything they need to do in life. Amen. There's nothing held back. God would not say you can go to heaven and then let you stay sick the whole time you're here. He takes care of everything. So we as believers and we as believers have to make it our responsibility to make sure that we minister everything to people. You know, don't leave them hanging out there and wondering if am I going to stay sick or is God want me well? That should be taken care of in the preaching. Amen. That's what Jesus did. So in Matthew 14, he speaks again about the power of God through the preaching of the gospel. What I say, Matthew 14, start in verse. I don't want to do five. What do I want to do? It says. To Jesus, this is I want to find that one where Jesus. I guess I better read it, huh? Start in verse one. At that time, Herod the Tetrarch heard of the fame of Jesus and said to his servants, "This is John the Baptist. He is risen from the dead, and therefore mighty works do show themselves in him." For Herod had laid hold on John, bound him, put him in prison for Herodias's sake, his brother Philip's wife. For John had said to him, "It's not lawful for you to have her, your brother's wife." And when he would have put him to death, he feared the multitude because they counted him as a prophet. So he held him in jail. But when Herod's birthday was kept, the daughter of Herodias danced before him and pleased Herod, whereupon he promised her an oath to give her whatsoever she would ask. 
She being therefore instructed of her mother said, give me here John the Baptist's head on a charger. The king was very sorry, nevertheless, for his oath's sake. And for them which sat at meat, he commanded it given to her, and he said, and beheaded John. And it was, and his head was brought, and his disciples came and took up the body. Ah, uh, not what I want. I wanted the, the, um, Jesus. Is this Matthew 14? Uh, I get the wrong scripture here. Where uh, they died, John's disciples questioned Jesus. They said, are you the one or do we look for another? And Jesus explained to them, the lame walk, the blind see. Amen. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. That's really what I was looking for. Like I said, how did Luke jump up in here? Amen. Sorry about that, y'all. Luke 7.22. All right. Thank you. Okay, verse 18, the disciples of John showed him of all these things, and John calling unto him two of his disciples sent them to Jesus, saying, Are you he that should come, or do we look for another? Poor John. Now, John had preached, you know, John is really trying to save his life, to be honest with you. You know, people, when they're under pressure like that, they're liable to say anything. John was thinking about himself being spared. And what Jesus' answer really was more of a rebuke, to be honest with you, uh, because what he said was, I'm doing what I was sent here to do. You got me? So, you know, cuz. Kind of thing. <clears throat> Amen. Sometimes you can say things to people you know that you can't say to to other people and he says uh, they he said to him uh where was i at oh yeah and they were said are you or should we look for another and in that same hour he cured many of their infirmities plagues in other words jesus was ministering to people during this time then jesus answering said to them go your way and tell john what things you have seen and heard how the blind see, the lame walk, lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached to them, and blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. So here's John the Baptist's preparation for his death, to be honest with you. Uh, John, don't take offense to me. You know, your your question indicates that you're offended that I'm not getting you out of prison. Amen. And so he admonishes John to hold on to his faith. Don't let himself be discouraged. You preached right. I'm the one that came. But John, just like everybody else, was looking for the Messiah to do something personally for him. See, the other disciples were, who's going to sit at your right hand on your left? I want to be number one in the kingdom. Put me up front because you know me. I know how to style. I know how to profile. I won't embarrass you, yada, yada. And so everybody, everybody is looking for that. We look for that. 
We're looking for something out of God. And he's looking for something out of us. And so we've got to let what he expects of us match what we are willing to do. Just like John and Jesus. Jesus said, you preached about me. You told everybody I was going to do this. And right in front of your disciples, I'm doing what you said I would do and what I'm called to do. Amen. And but don't get offended in me. You know, don't let this be the last thought you think about me. Think about this and repent like you preach. Got me? See what I'm saying? It 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 fits. It fits. Amen. John's teaching people that their hearts have to be yielded to the will of God in order to be right with God. His he's no exception. Amen. He's no exception. So anyway, he said, blessed is he whosoever shall not be offended in me. Amen. Mark 115, repentance always precedes believing. Always. Uh, Faith is a holy thing that comes into our hearts when we turn away from self and turn toward God. Amen. When when people in the in the Old Testament, when it said Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness, that was repentance. He turned away from thinking about his natural life, what he had going on and all of that. And he turned toward God and put his faith in God. Amen. And so then the kingdom comes in. Amen. You re- begin to repent and take your faith out of the natural realm and start putting it over into God's kingdom. See. And you are willing when at the same time you are willing to live the way God tells you to live. Amen. You're willing to live holy. You're willing to make a real change. Like John the Baptist told the Pharisees, he said, bring some fruit here to show me you've changed. You want to change, you know, uh, like he told the, the uh, tax collectors, quit stealing money from people. Now believe you want the kingdom. You can't have them both. You can't have the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light. And so many, we lose so many people from the churches because they've never really turned their backs on the kingdom of darkness. Like, I'm done with that. You understand what I'm saying? You have to get done with certain things before God can come in. He's not going to share you with the world. He's not going to crowd himself into a heart that's already ready full of self. Amen. And so, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things that you have to keep in mind continually. How is the world pressing in on me? How are the world's values creeping in on my life? Amen. And keep yourself free. Keep yourself unspotted from the world. You do that by a decision to follow the Lord and just reject all of that stuff. Amen. So, <clears throat> In Mark 16, we see that the gospel is power. Mark 16, Matthew, Mark, Luke 16, and verse 15. Verse 14, afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them from their, for their unbelief and hardness of heart. Because they believed not with them which had seen him after he was risen. That's necessary 
for faith to preach the gospel. You got to believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. These people here had to believe that he was raised from the dead. And and when he sent word that he was raised, that's the New Testament standard for faith in the resurrection of Christ. They had the privilege of being able to see him as well. But he expected them to believe at the preaching or the words of the people that saw him and said he's raised from the dead. See, other than that, you're trying to be a New Testament Christian, but you believe like Thomas. See, you want to see first before you believe. Anytime we want to see first before we believe, that's not gospel believing. Gospel believing is at the word of God, not the seeing of what you want to see. See, anybody can believe it then. And there's a little bit of blessing in that. I mean, you have a evidence, you have a testimony and all that kind of stuff. But you're going to have to start believing God before you see anything. You have to take it. You'd have to have the centurion's faith and not Thomas's if you're going to get where God wants you to go. And so he said he upbraided them because they didn't believe those which had seen him after he was risen. Why? Because there was enough faith on their words to believe. I'll say it again. He upbraided them for not believing the testimony of those who had seen him. Why? Because they were denying the faith. There was faith on that word to believe that he was raised from the dead. They just pushed it away in unbelief. So anytime we push away evidence in the word of God through unbelief, you won't receive what it is that you desire from God. you got to embrace his word. you got to take him at his word. Amen? And so here he says, and he told them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen? So their unbelief about him being raised from the dead did not stop the mandate. Amen? Because they would yet, they were yet to be empowered to do this. Amen. He said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. That's not water baptism. That's not baptism in the Holy Ghost. That means baptized in the body of Christ. Amen. You are, you're, you're, we who confess Christ are baptized into his body now. We are part of the body of Christ. He says, we'll be saved. Those who believe not shall be damned, and these signs, and that's the unpardonable sin, is that you don't believe the gospel. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name, casting out devils in my name, speaking new tongues in my name, take up serpents if they drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them, and they will lay hands on the sick. So you have power over all the power of darkness. And, and he just enumerates some of those manifestations there. But in general, poison doesn't hurt you. You will live. Amen. Amen. So quit being scared of people's food. Quit. I'll just eat everybody's food. Well, I don't either. I don't get invited to everybody's table. Amen. <laughs> It reminds me of them old crazy people 
you know, my mother grew up saying, you know, so-and-so, oh, yeah, you didn't eat at her house. She put stuff in your food. You know, we don't live in that day anymore. Huh? Can't put nothing in mine. I eat it before you get to slip anything in it. <laughs> Bring it on here. Amen. Right, 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 right. But you, you bless your food. You pray over it. Amen. You, just, you don't know how many people that put stuff, weird stuff and stuff we've eaten. Cause we eat out so much, you know, I sit back, sometimes I'll sit and I'll, we, we pick up the bread at Panera and you'll see people driving through all them drive-thrus. I said, look at them, look at them eating pies. You don't know if they pies in you in there this morning, is it? Get your pies and coffee and your pies and croissant. Pies and huh? Amen. <laughs> but you gotta, you gotta have some power to, to live in the world, period. You don't know what people do behind your back. You have no clue. So, see, he said the, the blind receive their sight, the lame. This is all evidence of gospel power. Amen. So gospel is the power of God. When that word goes out, it goes out in power to do what you preach. It will do. So you need to preach everything. Preach as much as you can. Amen. Preach the power of God. Amen. And God confirms his word. His his word that he gave you to preach. Amen. Your faith merely ignites the power in the word. You're speaking it does that. Amen. But the power's already resident in the word. Amen. It's already resides there. So when you speak the word to yourself, you ignite faith in that word. It empowers that word to affect the change on the inside of you. And it affects a change in the atmosphere when you speak it. And affects a change in those people when they hear it. So faith goes out on that word when it's preached in faith. Amen. Many times that word can just be spoken. And God, by his sovereign ability, will deposit faith on it by the time it reaches the ear of the hearer. Amen. And so when when. You know, you don't have to be depend on faith coming out of somebody's mouth. It can be on the word. You get faith off the written word when you read your Bible. Where'd that come from? The word has got faith on it. You All you're doing is believing what you see. Amen. And what you hear. So <clears throat> when um, uh, God released his word. To bring good tidings to the earth. So everybody who wants to can receive the gospel. Everybody who hears. John 1, if you go there. one one. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. That life was a light of men. It shined in darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 11, he came to his own, and his own received him not. 
but he wasn't locked out of people who weren't his own. See, that's the thing about the gospel. Anybody who hears it can receive. It it doesn't have to be spoken to you. You can eavesdrop and get saved. That's how I got saved. Huh? Amen. I I was uh, in a beauty shop. I was working in a beauty shop, and there was one girl that um, did Jerry's hair. Remember your our friend Jerry? Yeah. And this girl, for some reason, she liked Jerry's testimony. Now she wasn't saved, but she would. She always had a ton of customers waiting for they were waited for Roz all day long because Roz could do some hair and she hooked you up Jerry's hair always looked good and so she would say hey y'all listen to this listen to this listen to, listen to, now Jerry now wait a minute Jerry I gotta get some more people over here now listen to this listen to this and Jerry gave her testimony and I never saw her because I was in a separate booth behind a curtain I didn't know who this person was saying anything or anything like that and I was kind of listening and kind of said, well, what is Rosalind all excited about that for? This lady talking about she used to be a drunk and she did this and she did that and all that. But then she said, but God saved me. And months later, when I was crying out to God, he brought to my remembrance having heard that. You understand what I'm saying? So you could steal your salvation. You can eavesdrop and snoop and get your salvation. But I had heard the gospel, and when I heard it, didn't have sense enough to know what I was hearing. And it wasn't even aimed at me. It was for whosoever. It's the same thing when Jesus came. He came to his own, and his own rejected him, but other people snooped and heard what he said and got it. The woman with the issue of blood, the Syrophoenician woman, all these people eavesdropped. They knew he wasn't talking to them. He came for the Jewish people. He came to them because he was promised to them. You know God will give you something even if he didn't promise it to you. (laughs) That's for all you people that want a personal invitation. Uh Faith is like that. Faith will just keep pulling you toward the place of the manifestation of it. Don't ever doubt your faith. Don't ever, when you start believing God for something, don't ever think something's wrong somewhere. Everything's right. The woman with the issue of blood couldn't show herself out in public. That didn't stop her. She said, no, I'm going to sneak up on him and take what I want. She says, too many people getting stuff out here for free for me to sit here and not have it and need it. She said, I need it so bad, I'm going to go take it. I'm going to go sneak and see if I can get it. So the gospel is not limited to just, you know, sometimes Christians, we believers get too high-minded on ourselves. We think God only healed people in the church and healed them into this and into that. He don't have no special place for healing nobody. Amen. Sometimes you can be healed and not even know it yet. <laughs> you know, you can go 
are them the appointments we dread going to the doctor well i ain't lost no weight and i'm still on these water pills and da, 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 da. And the doctor say well i think you don't have to take this no more you go huh If God lets you put yourself under their care, he'll let you wait until they take you out of their care to get free. Hello? Well, you know, sometimes you have to be disconnected from from man. You know, you went to man for help. Man has to release you. Amen? God will let you walk around here without knowing it to you. Go for your annual or your semi-annual. You understand what I'm saying? He don't have to intrude on your little relationship with your MD. He'll let you have your little relationship. But when he ready to cut you loose, he ready to cut you loose. Amen? He'll do it. He'll do it. Mess your head straight up. See, God, you mean I've been sitting up here taking this stuff? Shut up and just be thankful. Amen. <laughs> just take your heel and pimp on off. Amen. <laughs> like the thief that you are. Amen. But that's okay. You can steal stuff from God. He freely gives. We can freely receive. Amen. But do like the, the people in the Bible. You know that Syrophoenician woman with the crazy daughter. She wasn't no Jew, and she thought the Jews hated her. But she went up and asked one for her healing anyway. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have to be stopped by obstacles. Faith is not stopped by obstacles. It's not. You may be sitting around trying to figure out why it's taking so long, but God's not. Because he sees you with it already. He said, well, what's she talking about now? Huh? Get off that old conversation. Amen. And start rejoicing that you have it already. Amen. Just because you don't see it don't mean you don't have it. You ain't seen heaven yet either. You know you're going. So cut it out. Stop it. All right, why don't we stop? Father, we thank you for your word and thank you for understanding. Thank you, Father, for the gift that is the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you to come into this place right now and touch your people. Touch us with what we want and what we need. Thank you, Lord. Now I'm going to take authority over a few things here and just allow people to get a little bit freer. Thank you, Lord. Father, I take authority over fear. In the name of Jesus, fear of change. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, give us that restlessness in our spirits and in our hearts for a change for more of you, a change for the better, Lord. We can all use one, Father. We can come up a little bit higher. We can get more understanding, more clarity, more of everything that we need, Father. We thank you for it, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I break the power of halting in the name of Jesus, of desiring to go forward and then stepping back. I break it in the name of Jesus. Let God's people go in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, Lord, 
to make our feet like hinds feet set us upon the high places that we would be conquerors we would be able to trample down serpents and scorpions and all the power of the enemy will never stop us and we bless you and we thank you for it in Jesus name so I'm going to release the power of God to everybody somebody get the girls in from thank you Lord praise God get everybody in praise God Praise God. Thank you, man. Praise God. And if somebody's behind you, just skip a seat, okay? Let every other seat have a body in it. And I think Mr. Howard can get that seat behind you. Catch whoever it is. Let's be ready to receive and, and operate in what you're getting from God. Amen. Let Him give you what you need for sure and allow you to manifest his power manifest your healing manifest your confidence in him manifest 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 in Jesus name thank you thank you what you trying to cheat come on get up out that chair come on get up out
Hallelujah. Let that receive the glory and the power of God in the name of Jesus. You need healing, receive it now. Manifestation time in the name of Jesus. If you need relief in your finances, receive it now. In Jesus' name. You need a good report. Receive it now. Manifestation time. In the name of Jesus. Complete and total release of God's kingdom into your life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. out your right foot and wiggle it and let the anointing start to work. Yeah. Just charge up your your spirit to let the anointing begin to work in your body. Amen. Let it fall off. Amen. You feel that? Amen. So that'll be your generator. Yeah. Let it let it start working. Amen. rights to this music. Well, Bishop Russell. <laughs> hey, Bishop Russell. <laughs> we share the rights to your, well, we, whatever. We, I better stop while I'm ahead. No. All right, why don't we do our declaration? I don't have Rona, and she don't have me. I can't get Rona, and she can't get me. Thank you, Father. By Jesus' stripes, we are healed. 
Amen, amen, and amen again. It's so decreed. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God.